Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This week's episode is proudly brought to you by Your Birth Project. Your Birth Project is a New Zealand-based online birthing class that encompasses hypnobirthing and calm birthing practices. The course was created by me, and as you know, I host this podcast. My intention with the course is that as many families as possible have access to birthing techniques that will empower and inform them throughout their births. The online learning platform means that you have access to the course for 12 months. You can watch it and revisit it as many times as you like. And the best part about it is that if you've got a particular section that you really enjoyed or you feel like you need to focus on, you can watch that as many times as you need to. There's an awesome birth partners section so that your birth partner feels well prepared for your birth. And there's also a really beautiful water birth video at the end of the course with a lovely mum from New Zealand who had a water birth during her surrogacy birth journey. So I'm really excited for you to see that if you decide to purchase the course. I'm really passionate about the accessibility of the course and I don't think that birth courses need to be hundreds of dollars. So I've tried to price the course really reasonably at 89 New Zealand dollars. If you want to know more about the course, you can head to at your birth project on Instagram or to the website www.yourbirthproject.com. There's heaps of testimonials on the Instagram and also a lot on the website. So have a read through those. If you've got any questions, feel free to send them through. In today's episode, I speak with a beautiful Kiwi mum named Anna, and she takes us through her two pregnancy and birth stories. Anna talks about her experience with having high blood pressure during her pregnancy and how that sort of meant for extra scans and monitoring and stuff like that. Uh, She was induced at 39 weeks at the guidance of her care providers and ended up having a birth that was filled with interventions and one that she found quite traumatic. Um, She talks about how that affected her in her postpartum period and also talks us through her breastfeeding journey during that time. And then she takes us through her second pregnancy where she made some informed decisions throughout her pregnancy about her birth education and her approach to her birth this time around. She did use the Your Birth Project course, so a really relevant sponsor this week, which was awesome. She then talks us through her birth story, which she found a really healing and empowering experience. So it's really beautiful to hear Anna talk about the two contrasting stories. And I just think that you will get a lot out of this episode and everything that she decided to do along the way, particularly in her second birth. So I hope that you enjoy it. I would love to hear from you if you are listening Take a screenshot of wherever you're listening from and pop it on your Instagram story and tag me at Kiwi Birth Tales. 
Let me know how you're finding the episode. I would also really appreciate if you could leave me a rating and review if you listen in the Apple Podcasts platform and it just helps other people find the podcast too, which is really awesome. Okay, long introduction. (laughs) I promise you I will stop talking so much now and I will let Anna do the talking. So let's jump into the episode. Hi, Anna. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be on the podcast. (laughs) Awesome. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Sure. So my name's Anna and I live in Christchurch with my husband, Chris, and we have two little children, Lucy, who will be two at the end of next month, and Charlie, who is six weeks tomorrow. (laughs) Awesome. Busy household. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty busy at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys the first time around? Uh, the first time round, we were actually in Europe having um, our big OE, and we'd always talked about the possibility that we would try for children when we were there or when we soon after we come back. And so, about halfway um, during our time, we had seven weeks over there, about three, four weeks in, we were like, oh, let's stop stopping this mm-hmm. and um, think about just um, without any pressure, just. Um, maybe start, you know, not using contraceptive and see what would happen. Um, And obviously we were pretty relaxed. We were having a great holiday. So, yeah, we just kept going about our holiday. And um, we got to the last few days and uh, we were in Croatia. And there was lots of steps. And I started to think, oh, I just feel really different. My period wasn't due or anything. Um, But I just felt tired and a little bit out of breath. And I was like, oh, that's odd. But I was like, it wouldn't be that easy. You know, everyone says that it takes, mm. you know, it can take a long time to get pregnant. So I just tried to put it to the back of my mind and thought, well, even if I was pregnant, it's probably just in my head because it's way too early to feel anything anyway. So anyway, we flew home and I should have probably had my period just before we left Croatia. Um, but then we obviously had a long haul flight to get home and I didn't get my period and I was like, oh, well, it'll just be my body clock. Everything's up the wop from flying, you know, across the world. But I said to Chris, oh, maybe we should do a pregnancy test. So I went and got a pregnancy test and did it and it was positive and we were like, (laughs) oh, this is odd. Didn't really know what to do. We're like, oh, we better do another one because surely it can't happen that easy (laughs) so we did three and they were all positive and for a couple of days Chris and I were kind of saying to each other oh we might be having a baby and I was like actually I think three pregnancy tests possibly (laughs) means we are having a baby um so yeah then I just went to the doctor and I was sort of a bit blown away by how like they were just kind of like oh cool congratulations Mm. here do some blood tests but they didn't actually do the blood test to test for the pregnancy hormone so I was like okay that's right. odd <laughs> am I actually pregnant you know I didn't <laughs> want to believe it because I, I was pretty sure of my dates around my periods and stuff so I didn't have a dating scan so for the whole kind of first 12 weeks I just wasn't 100% convinced <laughs> that I was pregnant yeah yeah so um yeah that was the journey to pregnancy and finding out for us yeah, cool. And how were you feeling once you took the positive test? Did you have many like early symptoms or first trimester symptoms with this pregnancy? Um, I was feeling pretty good. I was a bit tired, but um, we'd also just obviously had a long haul flight, so yeah. there's a bit of jet lag as well. 
Um, and yeah, but for the first couple of weeks, except for a little bit of tiredness, I was pretty good. Um, and then I did start to feel a bit nauseous, but um, nothing major, to be honest. And yeah. I was super lucky, in all honesty. I yeah, just felt a bit queasy a couple of times a day. I think I vomited once, but um, yeah. compared to some of the stories that you hear, I was <laughs> super lucky not to be too sick. And yeah, that continued, which I was really lucky. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And what about the rest of your pregnancy? Did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand? And did you decide to find out the sex of your baby? Yeah. So I uh, had a little bit of extra um, monitoring. I have essential hypertension or high blood pressure, which runs in um, my family on both sides. So Mm -hmm. thanks to my genetics, I'm graced (laughs) with that. Um, So that just meant that um, I had to have some extra monitoring. But um, I did have all the other normal testing. I had my 12-week scan, um, and then I think I saw the obstetrician clinic at the hospital for the first time around about the 14-week mark, mm-hmm. um, and then went on to have the normal 20-week scan and then a few extra growth scans. But I also had um, the normal gestational diabetes screening and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did find out the sex of the baby, so... yeah. Um, I was quite keen to have a surprise. My husband was totally not because he <laughs> yeah. needs to know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we did find out. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And did you do any like birth education, antenatal classes, anything like that before your birth this time? Yeah, we um, went to the Plunkett antenatal classes, which um, we were probably a little bit hesitant about because we had heard some um, – not so great stories, but also some good stories. So we were just mm-hmm. hoping that we would get a good group and um, have a good experience, which we did. We had an awesome group and we still actually catch up pretty regularly with those people, mostly the mums, but we all do also catch up with the mums and dads and babies all together. And um, yeah, when just after we had the babies, we had fortnightly catch up. So that was the absolute best thing to come out of that antenatal class was definitely the connections we made with the people. Yeah. Um, and just because I was so like hungry for all the knowledge, I also did the hatched online classes, just oh, something nice. to do to watch online. Yeah. Um, and I also read, um, well, started reading the Inamay Gaskin, um, I can't remember what it's called, but um, that book anyway. Um, but like I do with all the books, A Guide to Childbirth. Reading. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't actually finish it. <laughs> yeah. That's a bad habit of mine with any book, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And did you have many thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go? Like, did you have much of a birth plan, or what were your thoughts there? Um, I didn't have a birth plan as such. I, um, The idea of induction was sort of talked about quite a bit with the essential hypertension, that one of the big things was that they – wouldn't let me go past my due date and that an induction was the likely outcome because being a first-time mum I would never go into labour myself before my due date so the induction was sort of just talked about the whole time so Mm -hmm. um and with that I had heard quite a lot of stories about inductions and how they were intense and often people needed epidurals so kind of had that in my head but my main kind of goal and Chris and I talked about it quite a lot was just to have a, a pregnant I mean have the, a, a positive a positive outcome for both myself and for the baby mm-hmm. uh, so yeah we didn't really have a birth plan as such but 
we did like hire a tens machine and um yeah did a little bit of talking about it but nothing set in stone yeah nice cool awesome and did you do anything else in preparation for your birth like perineal massage antenatal expressing were you drinking the teas were you trying to bring on labor what were you doing there um i did use the raspberry leaf tea um and that i did the evening primrose oil as well um yeah i didn't do anything else yeah cool awesome And do you want to take us through your labour? So how did it start? How far along were you? And then into your birth story. Yeah, sure. I might actually go back slightly. I, um, go for it. At, at around 37 weeks, I think maybe just slightly before, I um, wasn't quite finished work. And I was at the hairdressers one day and started to have some like visual kind of disturbances and um, I had really, it was really odd. Like I didn't feel like I could speak properly and I had funny pains in my arms and things, which sort of set off all the alarm bells. Um, and I spoke to my midwife about it and ended up going in to see her later that day where she just monitored the baby. And obviously the initial thing was, um, preeclampsia was the, what she probably jumped straight to, but, um, I'd been having like the screening bloods with the higher risk of that with the hypertension and that hadn't showed, and it didn't, thankfully it wasn't that, but I did end up um, being admitted into Christchurch Women's for a two-night stay at around that 37-week mark. Yeah. Um, so at that time, I sort of, it was a bit stressful and a bit emotional, and just before I was discharged, one of the consultants come in and said, right, we're going to book an induction date, and I said, okay, being a first-time mum, like, I was <laughs> like, all right, I'll do what you say. Um, so there was an induction date booked, um, at that point. So, um, from about 37 and a half weeks, I knew that I was going to be induced at, I think it was 39 and two. So no, my, um, labor didn't unfortunately start spontaneously before that date. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was a Sunday morning when Chris and I, got in the car and driven and we're like right we're going to be having a baby soon but obviously knowing that it was an induction so it could take a while so um yeah we went into hospital and we're popped in a wee assessment room and waited to speak to different doctors and um for the whole process to start so it was um about midday I think on the Sunday the 26th of May before um the process actually was started with the cervidil so that's like the um, kind of tape that's put up against your cervix to irritate the cervix and hopefully get things started or at least Mm -hmm. soften the cervix enough so that they can break your waters Um, so that did involve lots of vaginal examinations and um, lots of monitoring I think it was every six hours I had to be on the CTG machine Um, so it was very medical um, and yeah, it was quite an intense kind of process and, um, you know, because I was in hospital, they were doing my blood pressure all the time and yeah, it was not, um, well, it wasn't unpleasant, but it was just, yeah, very medical and yeah. on the clock right from the time we sort of got to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to stay overnight, um, Chris come home and nothing kind of happened that night and I didn't expect it to. My midwife, Jenny, had warned me that it could take a couple of the doses before anything actually happened. Um, yeah. But we got to midday the next day after 24 hours of having the cervidal in. And they removed that and said that I was two to three centimetres dilated. And 
that my cervix was favorable and we now just went, needed to wait for a birthing suite to break my waters. So that was all very exciting, um, but turned out that it was one of the busiest days on birthing suite for a <laughs> while, so there wasn't one available, which was Murphy's Law, but that's all good. We sort of sat around for the afternoon, waited for uh, something to become available, which it didn't for the afternoon, so we asked if we could go out for dinner because I wasn't feeling any <laughs> like having any issues, so we went out for dinner, had dumplings, <laughs> um, came back, and it was about 10 o'clock that night, so it was about... Um, yeah, a day and a half after we first got to the hospital, um, we were finally moved to the birthing suite, which probably was a less than ideal time considering I'd had, you know, the night sleep the night before and then been sitting around all day waiting and then at 10 o'clock moved to the birthing suite. So Mm. likely to have another night of no sleep, um, or a night of no sleep and then to have a baby, but that was all good. Um, yes, we moved in there and then they, it took a long time for them to break my waters. I think I had three different people try and break my waters before Mm. the registrar successfully did that. So we were getting up there at that stage by the number of vaginal examinations and um, things. So, yeah, I was beginning to feel like I was definitely on show a lot, which probably wasn't ideal. Um, But it was about 11 o'clock and then my waters were broken and they placed the heart rate clip on the baby's head um, just so that I could be a little bit more mobile during labour because I did have to have the continuous monitoring with the induction. And that also wasn't smooth and it took them three attempts to get mm. that done as well and included them um, popping that clip on my cervix at one stage. So that was less than ideal. Yeah. Um, so that was um, finally done successfully. And then because, again, in doctor speak, because I was um, a first-time mum and Nothing would happen from there with just my waters being broken. We're just going to start you on oxytocin now. Normally we'd give Mm -hmm. you an hour, but we're not going to do that. I was like, okay. So we started on oxytocin and yeah, it didn't take too long before I started to have contractions and um, then they pretty much just keep turning up their oxytocin until you're having really good, like useful contractions, I guess. Um, So I'm just looking at my timings here because it... um, got a bit full on after this so it was about um according to my notes about 1 20 in the morning when my contractions were becoming a bit more intense um and I remember I do remember the start of my labor because things did get a bit blurry later on Mm. but I remember feeling quite in control at that point I was just um using the swiss ball and I had a lovely midwife in the room um she was a first year midwife and she was in there with us because of the um, monitoring so she was helping us through it and Chris was there and um, I think we did have the lights off and I had made a playlist. So we had mm-hmm. both of those things um, and then yeah, we just kind of, they kept increasing the oxytocin and at about two o'clock my contractions, I was having um, three or four within 10 minutes, but they were still pretty short um, and then on my notes it says at 2.40 I started having really good contractions that were lasting a minute and I asked for more pain relief at that time and I quite clearly remember this point where I was like thinking I wasn't coping hmm. and that I must be being a wimp because you know I would, wouldn't, wouldn't be very far along I'd probably only be three or four centimeters but I asked for more pain relief anyway I think I said I wanted morphine but um the 
midwife in the room went to get the charge midwife just to have a look over the CTGs and make sure she was okay to give me morphine. And mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, that's fine. We just want to do an examination just to check how far along you are and just um, possibly check in with the registrar just because some of the CTG traces were showing something a little bit off. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, so they were like, just pop up on the bed. And it was from about that point on that I felt like I was sort of losing control of the whole mm. situation. Um, but turns out I was actually... Um, probably about eight centimetres at the time. So I progressed really quickly from having, you know, strong contractions at 120 to at three o'clock to 3.30 being eight centimetres. And it was actually prior to that that the midwife had said to me, we're pretty sure you're in established labour now. We can contact your LMC to get her to come in um, because it's not until you're having the three or four contractions in 10 minutes that they get the LMC to come in. Um, and I said, oh, no, it's fine. Um, this is going to take a long time. I knew she had a birth the night before, so let, let her sleep. And my husband was like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, no, nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> and then it wasn't that long after that they were like, oh, no, we'll contact your midwife because you're actually eight centimetres. And <laughs> this is progressing quite quickly. Yeah. So um, at about four o'clock, I um, was starting to want to push, and my midwife arrived at 4.20, um, and I think at this stage I was getting a few blood pressure readings that were getting a bit high, um, and things were getting a little bit concerning. I think there was some decelerations with Lucy's heart rate. Um, so they decided to, um, get the blood test out of her. Um, I think they do it out of the top of her head or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they needed to give me some medication to try and bring my blood pressure down, but um, they were like, right, we need to take you to theatre and try and do an assisted delivery in theatre, but um, they said they couldn't do that in the room. So they prepped me for theatre at um, 4.45, I think they decided that needed to be done. Um, but during this time, my midwife was still supporting me to because I was pushing um, to push, and I remember her saying, to all the doctors that were in the room, which there was a lot of them at some stage and a lot of hospital midwives and things. And she was saying, I think, you know, she's progressing really well. I think she can probably push the baby out. And they were like, no, no, we need to go to theatre. But um, turns out we didn't need to go to theatre because about 20 minutes later, um, Lucy was born and <laughs> I proved everyone wrong. And I pushed her out and she was absolutely fine. She wasn't stressed. Um, She had really good APGARs and, yeah, I was all good. But um, that whole part of the labour for the probably two hours before she was born um, was definitely very, yeah, out of control. And I think Mm. probably in hindsight I was in a bit of shock because I don't actually remember a lot of it very well. I think it was quite traumatic for Chris and (laughs) there was a lot of sort of clinging onto the bed going on. Mm. But, um yeah so yeah she was born at 5 35 in the morning yeah and so was she popped up on your chest and she was okay or what sort of happened straight after she was absolutely fine they um put her straight up on my chest for skin to skin and I held her there for ages and um they did give me the oxytocin injection to deliver my placenta that was part of the plan just with the high blood pressure um with a higher risk of hemorrhaging so that was done and hit and delivered the placenta about 10 minutes later. Um, 
and yeah all that time she was on my chest and everyone kind of disappeared out of the room and the whole everything just calmed down which was great um and then I um Jenny my midwife just examined to see if I needed any stitches which unfortunately I needed quite a few um she did say we might have to go to theatre for that which I was like oh damn Mm. (laughs) but um the registrar did end up being able to stitch me up in the room um yeah so that was a good outcome it was a second degree tear but quite complex I think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so did she latch on okay initially when you're in the hospital and did you have your first feed there yeah um I think she latched on probably 45 minutes to an hour after she was born um and yeah she had her first feed and then um a while later one of the hospital midwives showed me how to um, do some hand expressing just because I think she was having a little bit of trouble latching but um, yeah yeah we um so we yeah stayed in that room for a little bit and then we transferred up to the um, maternity ward at Christchurch Women's for the next couple of nights um which I was a bit disappointed that I didn't get to go to a primary unit mm. but um that was again just part of the high blood pressure and just needing to keep a bit of a closer right. eye on things so I was lucky that I did have a really nice room that overlooked Tagley Park and it was a single <laughs> room and Chris could stay. So um, we were lucky in that sense that we didn't have a shared room. Yeah. 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 Cool. And so after those few days, did you just go home and how did you find that experience of taking your baby home and having your whole whole life change? Yeah. Um, yeah. After the two days, I remember being really excited to come home and driving very slowly in the car <laughs> all the way home and I sat in the back and looked at the baby and Chris was extra cautious but um no it was really cool coming home my mum was staying with us um my mum and dad and the rest of my family live in Southland so she had come up um to be here and support us which was awesome so um she'd had some meals cooked and everything and had the house all nice when we got home and yeah I just remember coming in and um, showing Lucy her room, <laughs> all the things, you know, that <laughs> they don't even need for the first um, three months of their life. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, and it was really nice just being at home. Um, it was just good to get out of that hospital setting and breathe some fresh air. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember we just had quite a nice relaxing afternoon that afternoon when we got home before all the visitors kind of started coming, mm-hmm. which... Um, in hindsight, we had a lot of visitors very quickly, and that would would have been day three when we got home. Um, I remember that night, everyone had come to see Lucy, and I was kind of just sitting there, and everyone was just passing around my little baby, you know, that I mm. held on to for a couple of days in the hospital, and I just got quite overwhelmed, and I remember coming up to the bedroom, and just, I think, was probably the baby blues, just like bawling my eyes out, and just feeling, yeah, really overwhelmed, and and just not being able to explain why I was emotional. But, yeah, now I know that it was probably the baby blues. <laughs> yeah. 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 And how long did that sort of last for? Did you think that, um, yeah, that was something that you needed to talk about or did you just find that it kind of passed? Um, it passed pretty quickly. Like, mum and Chris were really good and um, supporting me. And yeah. I think after that we probably got a little bit better at making sure we didn't have too many people here all at once because I think that was kind of what kicked it off was having you know all of um it was all my husband's family all here at once and yeah it was just too much so we probably got better at like controlling that and 
well not controlling it in a controlling way but you know just having a few visits at a time rather than having their house chock-a-blocker yeah yeah so I think that helped um but yeah I probably had a few more teary moments but nothing Mm. of any concern which was really good yeah cool and how did you find your physical recovery from birth um I was in quite a lot of pain um from the stitches and struggled quite a lot even just sitting on the chair um so I did for probably two weeks or so after I had Lucy sit on like rolled up towels just to Mm -hmm. take the pressure off um and yeah the pelvic floor kind of recovery was um a little bit tough as well like I felt like I had no feeling kind of in that area Mm -hmm. if I thought about going to the toilet it just happened and yeah I just um couldn't when I did go to the toilet I couldn't feel like when I had finished Mm -hmm. um you know and all that sort of thing it was which I hadn't really expected and I guess it's not something that's talked about a lot like you don't talk about in antenatal classes um yeah so that comes as a bit of a surprise but I got onto a really good women's health physio and she really helped with that so um that was sorted um probably relatively quickly before around three months so yeah, but I was thankful that I got onto a good women's health physio to help me with that. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. And how did you find, I guess, the processing of your birth and um, and how that all ended up happening? And did you talk with your midwife to debrief about it? Or, yeah, I guess, how did you find the processing of, of how your birth went? Um, yeah, I did talk to my midwife a little bit about it, but probably didn't go into great detail. And I just, you know, said that, you know, I'm fine. Um, I'm safe and I'm well and Lucy's fine, but it was probably as time passed a little bit and I started to talk about it more, like often I'd talk about the birth and cry and, Mm. um, and I, but I probably felt like I felt a bit guilty about doing that because, you know, she was fine and I was fine. I shouldn't Mm. feel guilty. Um, but as I've learned a bit more about it, I probably have realised that I was in fact a little bit traumatised by the whole process and how mm. how it did unfold. Um, so I probably started to talk about it a little bit more with um, other people that had, had babies and things. But um, yeah, I think I managed to deal with it pretty well. Um, and probably it just gave me the um, motivation to do a bit more preparation and to um but be okay with the fact that things hadn't gone exactly as I would have liked mm-hmm. yeah 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 fair enough and what about your breastfeeding journey how did you find that once you got home and how did it progress from there um I've had a bit of a challenging breastfeeding journey so I think it was about night four would have been our second night at home and Lucy was just super unsettled. She was just screaming and yeah. was like, what on earth is wrong with this child? Like, is this what it's like having a newborn baby? She was just screaming at the top of her lungs and we couldn't do anything. Chris and I were like, what do we do? Mm. And thankfully mum was in the next room and she heard and she come in and she was like, what's wrong? And we're like, we don't know. Can you help us? <laughs> and she was like, I think she's hungry. And I was like, oh, well, what are we going to do? I was like, it's three o'clock in the morning. We don't have anything. We don't have any formula or anything. And... I've just been, I've had her on the boob for hours and hours and she's still not settled. And thankfully, um, mum had a tin of formula on standby um, (laughs) because she had struggled with breastfeeding herself and Mm -hmm. she didn't want to put that doubt in my mind, but she decided just to do a good mum thing and have it on standby. So 
we um, gave Lucy some formula and that settled her. Um, but I was still really, it was only day four and mm. um, I was really adamant that I did want to breastfeed. But um, I the next day my midwife came and she was like, have you got sore nipples or anything? Like, is she latching well? And I was like, no, my nipples are fine. She was like, can I have a look at your nipples? She was like, they're not fine. <laughs> they're <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and I was like, oh. She was like, most people would be crying in the corner and refusing to latch their baby, like, <clears throat> that they really, they need a break. <laughs> so, um, from that point, I had a 24-hour stand down of um, putting Lucy on the breast and pumped. That's when my pumping journey started. Um, and I pumped every three hours. So, I think um, I had the the routine of um, after the first 24 hours um of feeding Lucy, then topping her up with formula and then pumping. Um, So I was doing that to try and um, encourage my milk to come in because at that point, and I didn't at any stage actually have any hard, I didn't have any like feeling of hardness in my breast. Mm. I just never felt like my milk really come in. So I tried lots of things. I tried the Blessed Thistle, the um, fenugreek, the, yeah, lots of pumping, um, everything that was, you know, the thing to try. I tried mm-hmm. the lactation cookies. I went to a lactation consultant who told me that I needed to pump 12 times a day. And I was like, oh, how am I going to do that? Like, I mm-hmm. need to try and keep my baby alive and feed myself and sleep and pump 12 times a day. So I left from there thinking, oh, I just can't do that. Like, I don't feel like that's realistic. So I decided I'd just keep doing what I was doing with mixed feeding. So, um and keep pumping and see if it happened, if anything improved. Um, and I think I was about six or seven weeks um, after having Lucy, and I thought, I woke up thinking, oh, I feel like I've got a bit more milk, like my boobs felt a little bit harder, and I was like, right, today I'm just going to put Lucy on the breast at every opportunity whenever she makes a squeak, and we'll see how we go. And I did that, and it was fine till um, that afternoon, I think, that was actually the first day I saw the woman's health physio. So the lovely receptionist there was looking after Lucy as I was um, having my appointment and she just didn't settle. And um, she probably cried like the whole hour as I was having my appointment and which wasn't normal. Like when she had Mm. the formula, she was a super content little baby and she'd sleep lots and she was really happy. Um, So after that appointment, I, um, went to change her nappy and her nappy was completely dry. I was like, oh, this is, she's not getting enough. Mm-hmm. I gave her a bottle of formula and she guzzled it down like she was super starving. So I left that appointment and thought, no, nah, I'm done. I was, and I was really sad about it and cried. I remember I was driving to my friend's house and I was crying because I really wanted to breastfeed, but yeah, it was just, got to the point where it was just too hard and the mixed feeding had become really hard as well. So yeah, unfortunately, my breastfeeding journey wasn't very successful. And, yeah, I do feel like I that was a bit of a failure. But um, I guess I did, did persevere and I did all I could. Mm. But, you know, I think as anyone that's probably had breastfeeding struggles, which I've learned that is just about anyone. Every, yeah. Anyone and everyone has breastfeeding struggles. Um, but you just feel guilty and, like, you should have done something else. But, um, mm. yeah, I just had to talk about it and let it go eventually unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can, um, I can relate to that in a way too I'm sure lots of other people can can as well and how did you find um 
I guess the, did you make a conscious decision to try for another baby or how did that all come about? Yeah, we always thought we would have our children quite close together. So we kind of had the idea of having about an 18 month age gap. Um, But when it got to the time where we'd need to be trying to have an 18 month age gap, I just said to Chris, oh, I don't know if I'm quite ready just yet. Mm. Um, Because it did seem to come around very quickly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it wasn't too much down the track further from that. Um, We decided that, yeah, we were ready to start trying for another baby. So I um, had uh, Marina inserted for contraception um, when we didn't want to conceive. And so I decided, right, we'll go and get that out. And it was just after lockdown that I got my Marina taken out. Um, And then I think it must have been like the next day (laughs) I got pregnant. So um, we're super, super lucky in that department, it turns out. Um, yeah, we got, thankfully, got pregnant, you know, the first month of trying both times. Yeah. So, yeah, really lucky. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And how were you feeling in this pregnancy once you found out you were pregnant? Was it much different to your first? Um, yeah, before I actually found out I was pregnant, I remember driving to work and just feeling, like, real sick. And But then kind of thinking well if I am pregnant I feel like it's too early to be feeling Mm. sick but in hindsight it probably was the first symptom of my pregnancy um but that didn't um continue thankfully I did I was probably a little bit more nauseous this time than I was with Lucy but again I was pretty lucky I didn't have any vomiting or anything like that just the general tiredness which probably was a bit I was a bit more tired this time mm. around it probably had something to do with chasing the toddler around yes. and just um adjusting I hadn't been back at work long so I was adjusting to that as well so yeah it was um yeah definitely pretty tiring but a combination of lots of things I think yeah yeah and did you decide to do um the sort of same thing that you had done in your first pregnancy in terms of the testing that you did yeah uh we did so although I <laughs> probably made a bit of a white lie to my midwife and said oh no I don't really know about my dates because I really wanted to have an early (laughs) dating scan just because I was so nervous up until that 12 week mark with Lucy that I was like no I really want a dating scan just to make sure that this pregnancy isn't in my head yeah um yeah so we had the extra scan but then yeah everything else was the same with um the normal tests and um being under the hospital care again yeah and we had the um heated discussion about whether we would find out the sex of the baby and because I was like we do not need to find out we have plenty of gender neutral things we've got all the things for the baby we don't need to find out but I lost that battle unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) and we did find out that we were having a boy this time which was really exciting yeah awesome cool and did you have the same midwife this time around or what did you do in terms of your care yeah I did have the same midwife I um really like my really liked my midwife and felt like she advocated for me really well and yeah um the first time around so yeah we went back with Jenny which was great yeah awesome nice and what about birth education or antenatal classes this time around obviously um the way that you talked about feeling after your first birth I can imagine there was some anxiety maybe around this this birth so how were you sort of dealing with that yeah there was a little bit of anxiety well there would have been but Um, sort of from the time I started to, um, well, probably about six months after I had Lucy and started to think about our next time, I was like, right, I need to start like 
changing my mindset around this and thinking how I could possibly do it differently when the next time comes around. Yeah. Um, so I, at that point, I think it was around then started listening to your podcast and just, and also the Australian birth stories. So mm-hmm. everywhere I'd drive in the car or whenever I was cooking dinner or whenever I had a moment, I had my Spotify <laughs> on, I was listening to as many birth stories and lots of positivity. And that was a big part in changing my mindset, I think. Yeah. Um, so that was probably what I would call my rebirth education. <laughs> um, just to, yeah, and it was definitely about understanding that, you know, even if you have a bad experience or, well, not necessarily a bad experience, but um, if things go a certain way the first time around, that it doesn't actually set you up to have that same experience in, in every future birth. Um, yeah, so it was about convincing myself and changing my mindset to understand that I didn't have to necessarily do exactly what the doctors said and that yeah I could um, make decisions for myself so I along with the podcast listening to the podcast I decided to do the Your Birth Project uh, course so I started that at around I think it was probably about 32 weeks because yeah there was still again lots of talk about this is going to end in induction and I was like okay might end an induction, but I want to have a bit more control around the whole process. Um, and the whole time during this pregnancy, my blood pressure was absolutely fine. Like I was on medication, I am still on medication, um, but my blood pressure was well controlled and everything was great. I was feeling so good, and um, but I did still have in the back of my mind that you know I could feel really great up until the point when I'd have to have this induction and it would all. Um, you know, potentially be like Lucy's birth. So that's when um, the Your Birth Project came in super helpful um, and the episode around understanding how you can still have a really good environment with an induction, that it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a stressful place and that you do actually still have control even if you have to birth in a hospital, which is something that I didn't have a choice around. Um, I remember getting to my thirty eight week I think it was appointment at the hospital and I just had a growth scan and then I had my appointment with the obstetrician and my scan had been perfect showed great growth the baby was super happy good size um and everything was awesome I saw the obstetrician and she was like right the growth scan's looking good there's no concerns your blood pressure is well controlled um now let's book an induction and I was like oh I said, what? And I said to her, what are the risks? If I say I don't want an induction, what are the risks? And she said, oh, as with any pregnancy, there's the standard risk that if you go past your due date, that the baby will be stillborn. I was like, okay, so that's a very generic risk Mm. that's not related to my blood pressure, is it? And she said, no. I was like, okay, so what if I was to say I don't want to be induced before my due date, that I want to give my body the chance to go into labour itself and... Yeah, not and to not have this induction. I said, I understand that you have to give your medical advice, but I feel really great and it just seems a shame that I wouldn't give my body the chance to go into labour and and do things in a more natural way. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, that's fine. Like, it's up to you. Um, obviously, yeah, you're right. It is against medical advice, but it's your body and your decision. So I made that decision and I said I'll agree to an induction the week after my due date and that way I at least 
had got past my due date and had time to do some things to try and put myself into labour. Um, so I did that and had my due date was the 4th of March and they booked an induction for the 8th of March, which I didn't tell anyone. Um, the only person <laughs> that knew that the induction date had been booked was my husband because I made the mistake first time around of telling people when my induction date was. So, of course, as soon as that date came, everyone was yeah. messaging me, like, Are you, have you had the baby yet? How's it mm. going? And, um, yeah, so I kept that one under my cap this time. And, yeah, I just kept saying to people, no, I don't have an induction date. I, everything's fine. I'm just going to have the baby naturally. Um, so I had been going to acupuncture um, for, I think I started when I was being on 37 weeks. And had acupuncture and um started stretching sweeps actually that day that I saw the obstetrician at about 38 weeks she offered to give me a stretch and sweep at the time so I had that and um I was also taking the 5W capsules I think that's what they're called mm-hmm. um so I was trying all these things to yeah give myself <laughs> the best possible chance to go into labor and I also did antenatal expressing this time around, um, hoping that that stimulation may help things as well, um, which it, thankfully it did, <laughs> which I was super excited about. Um, it was just such a massive relief. Like I, um, yeah, it was the day before my due date, so it was a Wednesday, and yeah, I just woke up feeling like something was a little bit different. But I didn't know what it felt like to go into labour naturally, so I. Yeah, had a little bit of back pain and had some really light, pinky kind of bleeding. But I was like, no, nothing's happening. I'll just go about my day. I'm not going to get excited. Um, I didn't have any pain as such. I just yeah felt like something mm. might have been happening. I went out for coffee with a friend and went to the supermarket, came home and scrubbed the bathroom floor and <laughs> did lots of <laughs> random things. Um, and I had acupuncture that afternoon at three o'clock and I said to the lady, um, the super lovely lady that was doing the acupuncture, I think something's happening. I feel like it's a bit different. She was like, all right, let's get this going. So she did all the acupuncture and, um, she used some kind of like tens machine type, um, mm-hmm. machine and she did that and, um, worked on lots of pressure points and, um, then she also gave me a herbal kind of um, concoction kind of thing to take <laughs> home. And if nothing had happened in the next 24 hours, I could take that. So I knew I had that in my toolkit as well. Um, so I went home and I think um, Chris picked Lucy up from preschool and they got home and we did the normal bedtime routine. She was in bed and it was about 7 o'clock and um, Chris was like, what's for dinner? I was like, oh... Um, there's something there. I was like, oh, I just can't really be bothered cooking dinner. Can you do dinner? I'm just going to have a sit down. So he did that. And um, then after dinner, we were just sitting there. We were actually watching the Black Caps game. It was a, I think it was a 2020 <laughs> that night. Um, so we were watching that. And then about nine o'clock, I said to Chris, I think we're going to have a baby tonight. And he looked at me. He's like, yeah, I reckon we're going to have the baby. He's like, why? What makes you think that? And I was like, I think I'm having contractions. He was like, what? Why didn't you say anything? <laughs> and I was like, well, I didn't want to get excited, but. I think they're definitely becoming a bit more regular now. So that was all very exciting. But, of course, we had Lucy here, and um, my mum wasn't here yet, even though she was planning to come up. So we had my auntie. She was going to be the one on standby to come and get Lucy if she needed to. So 
I said, I think maybe we'll get my auntie to come around and pick Lucy up and take her. I said, we might be jumping the gun a bit and nothing might happen, but I'd rather she went around there instead of having to come around at two or three in the morning. So Lucy went around there and um, it was about 10.30 and we were like, right, we should try and get some sleep because it could be a long night. We, yeah, come to bed and then things started to ramp up a bit and it just wasn't comfortable lying in bed. So it was about midnight um, after we'd been timing the contractions for a little bit and I think they were probably maybe six or seven with some contractions a little bit closer together. Um, Yeah, so I went out to the lounge and just leant over the Swiss ball and just went sort of between the lounge and the bathroom because it was actually quite comfortable sitting at that stage. Um, So I was going between the two rooms and had um, it was just nice and dark and I had my diffuser on and had set it up all as I planned, which was what I um, learned from your birth project. Um, yeah, so I had the uh, my music playing and it was just like super nice environment. I felt really calm, felt really in control and just really, I was probably just stoked that I was actually in labour and that I wasn't going to have to spend a couple of days waiting at the hospital to go into labour. Um, so I was really happy and um, using the breathing techniques which I learned in the Your Birth Project course as well which were awesome just gave me something to focus on and help me feel really in control about everything that was going on um, and Chris started to keep saying oh I think we need to go to the hospital I think we need to go to the hospital and I was like no we don't like it's all good my contractions aren't even like really that strong yet I'm managing them well I don't want to go to the hospital too soon because I knew that if I did that then it potentially could slow things down if we went too early um but about 1 30 he was like no I'm ringing Jenny (laughs) I was like okay so we called Jenny because she did say to that when contractions were five minutes apart that we should just give her a heads up because Mm -hmm. things had progressed quite quickly last time and yeah would assess things at that point so we did that and she was like, you sound like you're coping really well. Just are you happy to stay at home for a bit longer? Which I was more than happy to do so. Um, so she said, just give me a call back when you're like having good contractions every three minutes apart or so. So it was about an hour later and my contractions were yeah getting quite strong and were consistently three minutes apart. So we called Jenny back and she was like, sounds like it's time to come into the hospital. So I still wasn't 100% convinced that we needed to go right then and there, but Chris was probably more convinced, and I think he thought we were going to have the baby at home, which I never thought was going to happen, but anyway, um, we jumped in the car and went into the hospital, and it's only a 10-minute drive, but I was quite, um, I thought that the drive to the hospital was going to be terrible, but Mm. it wasn't. It was actually fine, and... I just continued to have my music and um, practice my the breathing during the trip. And I think we got every single red light on the way to the hospital, so it <laughs> was a bit annoying. Um, but, yeah, we made it there at about, I think it was half past three, quarter to four in the morning um, and met Jenny. Um, oh, earlier on in one of our earlier conversations with Jenny, I'd said to her that I would like to have a room with a birth pool. We hadn't actually mentioned that um, to her in any of our previous meetings, mm-hmm. but I decided that I did want to try that. So she was like, yep, yeah, cool, we'll try and get that sorted. So we arrived and went into the room, and you yeah, we were lucky enough to have one with a birth pool. 
and yeah she arrived about five minutes after us and turns out she actually had two um, me and another woman in labor at the same time even though she'd um, organized a bit of a quiet period because she'd been on holiday but yeah turns out that both of us were in labor at the same time and but thankfully at the same hospital so yeah she was um, kind of getting us both settled into our rooms at the same time um, so she sort of left us to it for a little bit and then come back and oh, actually when I got to the hospital everything sort of started to fizzle out a bit and I was like to Chris I knew it I was like <laughs> we've come to the hospital too soon it's gonna fizzle out it's not even gonna happen and I I wasn't didn't get upset but I was just like I just feel like we've come a little bit too soon but that was all right um Jenny examined me and she was like oh you're four centimeters I was like oh what mm. <laughs> I was like I wanted to be in my head I thought I wanted to be probably six centimeters by the time mm. I got to the hospital but that's all good she's like um no you're having good contractions like maybe just go for a bit of a walk around the around the birthing suite like around the ward so I did that and yeah that worked it ramped the contract the contractions um right back up and I started to feel like I really needed to focus and breathe through them um really well again so um that was good um came back into our room and I got Chris to um, dim the lights or turn the lights off and put the diffuser on and create a nice environment again um, which was really cool we had the wee battery tea lights that were set up all around the room and I had the swiss ball and the bath was um, the birth pool was filling up so there was like that nice sound of water and yeah, it was just all very relaxing um, as relaxing as it can be <laughs> um, and it was actually just Chris and I in the room for most of the time because uh, Jenny did have the other woman in labour so she was a little bit further along with than me so Jenny spent um, quite a bit of time with her and just come back and checked on me on the odd occasion but um, we were managing pretty well and um, Chris was doing a great job of supporting me and yeah it was all kind of all good so we were happy to be in there um, by ourselves and not having not feeling watched like I it was totally different this time I didn't feel like it wasn't it wasn't like a railway station where there was people coming and going all the time which was cool um and then I decided that um the tens machine was sort of not really doing it for pain um, management with my breathing and I decided I wanted to jump in the shower so did that around quarter past five um got into the shower and just used the running water on my back um which I really enjoyed and I was getting Chris to do like the counter pressure on the bottom of my back, which felt really good. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think he was a bit surprised at how hard that I wanted him to press. So he thought he was going to hurt me, but I was just like, more pressure, more pressure. Um, so he did a good job of that. And um, yeah, I felt quite comfortable in the shower and enjoyed that. And then it was about um, quarter to six and Jenny come back in to see how we were going. And she was like, oh, you sound like you were really like in having good contractions now and I was like yeah I am um, but um, she's like you're managing okay and I was so she was like well do you want to get in the pool now because she told me that she didn't want me to get in the pool till I was five centimeters I think was the mm-hmm. um, how far along and she's like I'm pretty convinced that you're past that now um, so do you want to get in so I decided yep yeah, I'll get into the pool and in hindsight I probably waited a bit long but I had been thinking that I wanted to wait until I really needed that next yeah. step because I didn't want to get in there and you know only be yeah, five yeah. centimeters and yeah not to have that relief 
but um yeah so I jumped in there and I just really struggled to get comfortable and I don't know I just yeah just didn't get comfortable and it probably wasn't um as much of a relief as I thought it might be Mm. um but in hindsight it's probably because I was I think I was in transition (laughs) um and yeah so nothing was probably going to make me feel super comfortable at that point um but it was still just Chris and I in the room um after Jenny had got us sorted in the pool and but then she came back and she asked if I wanted to try some gas which I thought would be a good idea at the time so I tried that and um but she yeah she was like oh it's not even hooked up <laughs> so I didn't I don't think I, I might have had like one um breath on the gas <laughs> where it was actually effective when it was actually giving me what it needed to be giving me but that's okay um I just stayed in there for a little bit and then I think Jenny must have been walking past our room and she must have heard a noise I was making and she popped her head in and she was like are you feeling pushy and I was like "Uh, (laughs) yeah maybe I am guess yeah I do think I do want I have definitely got a lot of pressure and she was like okay she we didn't plan to birth in the pool so she didn't have the water at the right temperature and things so um she was like okay let's get you out and we'll just check to see how you're going um so we'll get you out and get you up on the bed so I was like okay so I jumped out and they have like the um the pole kind of thing at the side of the pool so I grabbed yeah. onto that as I got out and it just felt natural just to this whole time I was just kind of doing exactly what my body was telling me it wanted to do so it just felt really natural just to squat down there so I was like okay I'm just gonna wait here for a minute I waited there and I think I might have pushed once or something there and she was like okay I think we need to get you over to on, onto the bed Um, and just because of the tearing that I had with Lucy she wanted to be able to have quite hands-on support Mm. um, as I was having um, well as he was crowning just to prevent anything too major Um, so that was the plan to go to be on the bed Um, so I went over there and she was like okay jump up on the bed now so I don't think I can get on the bed and she was like why and I was like I just I don't know I just feel like I can't get up on the bed she was like okay that's all right just like do what you're comfortable doing and then she was doing something and I'm not sure what and I was like um I think I think he's about to come out and she's like what <laughs> I was like and I reached down and I could feel his head and at that stage I was still standing behind beside the bed and she was like well that's why you couldn't get on the bed because <laughs> you've got a baby right there um and then yeah he came out and um it was just amazing like there was no um yeah it just wasn't there was no traumatic part about it it was just really calm and it was exactly exactly how I wanted it which was a bit of a dream really I I was just on a bit of a high afterwards and yeah felt so stoked that I had such a um contrasting experience to the first time round. and yeah I just felt like Chris and I had done a really good job as a team of yeah having Charlie and um and I just felt super empowered that I'd made that really good decision for um to make the whole experience a great one from the time I said no that I didn't want to be induced when the doctors wanted to induce me so yeah it was kind of just like yes I I did it (laughs) yeah amazing that's so beautiful it's so nice to hear you know such a contrast in your stories and obviously the way that you feel so proud of yourself like you should which is just yeah super awesome makes me feel so happy for you yeah Awesome, cool. And so did they pop them up on your chest for skin to skin and did you have um, the injection for the placenta again? What happened yeah. from there? Um, I was kind of in a bit of a tangle and sort of trying <laughs> to get onto the bed and 
he was like placed up on the bed and I was trying to get up, but I was getting myself tangled in his cord. So it was a bit funny. Um, but yeah, I did get up on the bed and had skin to skin and, um, yeah, it was all just, um, really special and he, yeah, just snuggled in for ages and, um, Jenny, uh, checked like my tearing and, oh yeah, I did have the injection for the placenta, sorry. So I delivered the yeah. placenta, um, and Jenny checked and I, did still have a second degree tear but it was much more simple than Lucy's and yeah. it was like five minutes of stitching rather than 45 minutes of stitching mm-hmm. um so that was all much more smooth sailing um yeah so he latched on within probably 45 minutes again and I think he had a really good feed like a, probably a better feed than than what Lucy did when she first latched on and I think it was probably just because I was much calmer and yeah. more with it like I wasn't um yeah away with the fairies like I was sort of in yeah. shock <laughs> the first time around so yeah he had a good feed yeah yeah cool awesome and did you stay in the hospital a couple of nights again or what happened this time yeah I had to stay again um which I was actually alert level two when I had okay. Charlie so um nobody else could come to the hospital except for Chris mm-hmm. um so that's I really didn't want to stay at the hospital for that reason I just wanted to get home um because my mum had come up when I was in labor or oh no, it was early the next morning she come up so I really wanted to be able to come home and just so she could meet Charlie and everyone could come and meet him um but the doctors insisted that I stay in the hospital so I did stay one night and I had a shared room and I just felt so good that it was just really frustrating mm-hmm. um I just wanted to get home and particularly considering all my blood pressure readings were really good and there just didn't seem to be any cause for me being there but anyway stayed one night and then come home so yeah it was probably um later on the next day on the Friday I think it was um that I come home and yeah the trip home was a lot less stressful than it was with Lucy (laughs) I don't think Chris drove near as slow and I sat in the front seat (laughs) yeah awesome cool and how did you find getting home this time and the adjustment obviously um you've got Lucy at home as well so how did you find introducing her to Charlie and yeah what was that whole adjustment and and newborn phase like for you this time yeah it was um just much less overwhelming and Mm. um I was super relaxed and it was exciting to um Lucy had come into the hospital briefly but had been kind of like because she was allowed to come in with Chris was under the level two restrictions um so she'd been introduced to Charlie briefly but it was a very foreign environment for her so she mm. was kind of didn't really pay much attention um so it was cool to come home and sort of reintroduce them in the home environment but I was all very excited about Charlie and Lucy meeting for the first time but Lucy's so young still that yeah. there wasn't really that moment that you would have made a cute video about or anything <laughs> how <laughs> she old was she when you bought um, 21 she just passed 21 months oh uh, yeah yeah. yeah so um yeah just a little bit young to kind of comprehend yeah what was really going on but um yeah so I had my mum here still um for another um she planned to be here for about 10 days um so that was cool and nice to have her here but there was one complicating factor that um 
my brother and his fiance were also due to have a baby right around <laughs> the same time, and so she had to make a quick, uh, um, quick trip back to Southland to meet little Pippa when she was born five days after Charlie. So <laughs> yeah, she popped down home for a day and then came back and helped us out with Lucy and yeah, so it was all like super relaxed and my recovery was so much smoother. I didn't have yeah. barely any pain. Um, and yeah, almost felt like back to normal pretty quickly, which was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. And how did you find breastfeeding this time around or how are you, are you still breastfeeding now? How are you finding yeah. that? Um, I again did a lot more preparation for that just like I did for the birth, mm-hmm. um, and saw a really good lactation consultant at around 34 weeks pregnant and, um, we talked a lot about my breastfeeding journey with Lucy and come to the conclusion that I hadn't missed anything obvious. I'd tried everything and mm-hmm. um, I didn't need to feel like I'd failed because, you know, it, it was what it was. Um, so I made peace with that, which was good. Um, and kind of, I did want to try again and I wanted to involve a lactation consultant so that I didn't feel like I just did the same thing, expecting a different outcome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I knew that I went into it knowing that it might not be that breastfeeding for me might not mean fully meeting his requirements that, um, so I did have formula on standby and bottles and stuff ready. And, um, I did start topping him up pretty soon because I didn't get, like, I didn't get that feeling of my milk coming in again. It was just pretty similar to last time. Um, and, but then I did start to feel like I had a little bit more milk than I did with Lucy. So, yeah, but right from the beginning, I was kind of doing the mixed feeding and also using a supplemental nursing or supplementary nursing system, I think it's called. Um, so I don't know if um, you know too much about them, but it's like the little um, tube that yeah. you just pop in the corner of the baby's mouth while they're at the breast and can top up with formula or express breast milk if you've got it at the same time as they're on the breast. So mm-hmm. the whole idea is that it's kind of meant to help form that really positive association with the breast and also encourage your milk supply at the same time. Um, so I was doing that, and that was really good. He was um, feeding well at the breast and taking formula top-ups through the tube, and that was all going really well. So, yeah, I kept doing that um, until... I uh, probably only in the last week stopped that um, just because he started to cotton on to the fact that um, if he could just suck on the tube that he was going to get the milk and he wouldn't um, go on the breast at all without the tube there. So he just figured it, figured the system out a bit much to for it to be having too much benefit anymore and it was just getting a bit fiddly and frustrating mm. trying to deal with a toddler and feed a baby and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to um, ditch the tube and go to just popping him on the breast at the start of the feed and then topping him up with the bottle, um, which I was doing. And then just the last few days I've just been feeling like going back to that um, not great mental state around the breastfeeding, feeling like mm. every time I would go to feed him that I was just failing every time I was pumping, which I wasn't doing near as much, but I'd get like 30 or 40 mils and just feel like a failure and I thought, what am I, like, what am I, who am I trying to prove anything to? And I know I was only trying to prove myself, to prove to myself that I could do better than last time and mm. had in my head that I needed to get past the six or seven week mark that I got with Lucy. And 
But then I talked to Chris about it and um, I think it was Sunday morning in the early morning when Charlie woke up for a feed and I was like, nah, I'm done. <laughs> like This is just too hard. I don't have hardly any milk. He's getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated. Um, it's just not really beneficial for either of us. So yeah. um, I he had his last feed on the breast yesterday. Um, yeah. And I'm a little bit sad about it, but I definitely feel like I tried everything yeah. this time again and... Yeah, he's had six weeks of breast milk, and yeah, Lucy's fine, even though she was um, <laughs> formula fed from six or seven yeah. weeks. So yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Unfortunately, I'm just not a very good cow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get, I get the way that you're feeling, and I also know. Um, I mean, Jai was mixed fed and then completely formula fed from nine weeks, and he's a big, happy, healthy boy and we still have a beautiful close bond I don't feel like yeah. we've missed anything there so I totally get what you mean by that um yeah you just have to do what's right for you rather than you know really just continuing on in that poor mental state that we can we can force ourselves into sometimes yeah. so yeah can definitely yeah. relate with that yeah cool yeah. awesome and I guess in terms of the way that you've processed this birth have you had much of a chance to reflect and compare and how do you think that that's made a difference in terms of your recovery yeah I um have done a lot of thinking about it and I guess it really hit home how different my births were um one and how much better I recovered and like just not feeling anywhere near as sore Mm. but also when I was sitting down just to have a think about them before I come on the podcast tonight I um was looking at my birth notes from Lucy's birth and looking at my birth notes from Charlie's birth and they're so different like Lucy's birth mm-hmm. notes are like pages and pages and pages long and um all these different people putting their notes on and then Charlie's birth so simple and so mm. straightforward and yeah I just feel so at peace with how that all went I don't feel any trauma about it I actually yeah I don't think of that birth as having as being in pain Mm. Like, I remember when I thought about Lucy's birth, I had this, like, just could see myself clinging onto that hospital bed, screaming. <laughs> like, yeah. that was what I thought about. And whereas this time, I just don't have that. I just think about mm. the breathing that I did and how amazing it was. So, yeah, I'm just super happy about that. And, like, I'm yeah. super passionate about um, sharing. That's why I wanted to come on the podcast and yeah. share because – and just to – so if people have had an experience that they weren't at peace with or they have had a traumatic experience that they know that they can have a different experience next time. Yeah. And yeah, it's made me, um, since I've been doing all this work around my mindset, I actually really want to become a midwife now. And um, yeah. yeah, so I'm just working out how I can make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Sounds like you'd be a, um, a perfect candidate <laughs> for yeah, a midwife. So that's, yeah, that's apparently it's cool. a difficult degree to do with young children, so I'll yes. wait a little bit until <laughs> we're finished. We want to have one more child, so we'll wait yeah. until um, we've completed having our babies until they're a little bit yeah. older, and then yeah. Yeah, see how we go with the next steps. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us. I've really loved talking to you and hearing how different and contrasting your births have been, but also the result of a really empowered and beautiful birth experience this time around. So just feel really happy for you. And yeah, super grateful that you've come on the podcast to share your stories. Awesome. Thank you so much. 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. Another mention that your birth project is this week's episode sponsor, so I'd really love for you to go and check at your birth project out on Instagram, or you can go to www.yourbirthproject.com. I know that you heard Anna talk about how your birth project really helped her during her birth, so if you want to have a similar empowering birth experience or you just want some more information education or anything to help with any birth anxiety then I know you're going to love this course so feel free to send me any questions about it I'm looking forward to bringing you another awesome episode next week don't forget to tag me in your stories if you're listening to this episode and you will hear from me again in about a week planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.